You're listening to Dr. Ward Bond's Life-Changing Wellness, the fastest-growing natural health, nutrition, and inspiration podcast in the nation. Uplifting stories, powerful messages, and triumph over adversity, the experience of entertainment and encouragement is about to begin. And now your host, Dr. Ward Bond. Today, we welcome a musical husband and wife duo, Linda Davis and Lang Scott. Labeled as a song stylist, Linda Davis's unique ability to interpret a song has made her one of Nashville's favorite vocalists. And Linda Davis has played the sold out crowds with the likes of Garth Brooks, George Strait, Reba McIntyre, and Kenny Rogers, just to name a few. And in 2016, Linda and her family, including husband Lang Scott and daughters Hillary Scott of Lady A and Riley Scott, released the critically acclaimed two-time Grammy-winning album, Hillary Scott and the Scott Family, Love Remains, which topped the Billboard Top Christian Albums chart and debuted at number two on the Billboard Top Country Albums chart. Linda's husband, Lang Scott, a talented songwriter and musician who was the guitarist and background vocalist in Reba McIntyre's band for seven years. And he was the first national champion of the Nashville Network's You Can Be a Star. And he has had songs recorded by Leanne Rimes, Joe D. Messina, and his wife, Linda Davis. Both are some of the most talented singer-songwriters in Nashville. So ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome one of country music's most successful marriages, Linda Davis and Lang Scott. Welcome to the program. Man, Thank I, you. I feel like I need to applaud for ourselves. You read it just like we wrote it. <laughs> and <laughs> It is my job to honor you and build you up because in truth, you two are great superstars. But what I really want to know is give me the backstory about how you two met. Oh, my. Okay. This might go on. Just get the hook after me if I don't make my story short enough. But anyways, I moved from Texas, East Texas, uh, in 1982 to try to get on the Grand Ole Opry. That was my goal from the time I was a little girl. Little did I know that folks who kind of helped it be possible for me to move to town, Lang had already met them and knew them as well. Uh, so when I went to work at a little studio the first week I was in town, because I had to make a little money, uh, look who comes in the studio looking all fine <laughs> and with his shirt unbuttoned and his hairy chest just like flying out. And I was like, wow, I've never met a, a fellow that looks quite like this. And he was very kind, not just on the outside to look at, but I learned quickly that he had a sweetheart. So that's how and when we met. And if you want to fill in some more of the blanks, you go ahead. My it, honky husband. Yeah, honky husband. <laughs> yeah. So so um, to add a little bit of that, it, it was really, we feel that God brought us together. Looking back, it's easier to see that, you know, years down the line. But he orchestrated it because I was here for six months prior to Linda moving here. I'm from South Carolina originally. And um, as she said, we knew some of the same people. And what happened was I met these folks and they took me in to record three songs with another young lady from Texas whose name is Stephanie Simone. And we recorded three songs. Our voices didn't mesh, so they brought in another guy to sing with Stephanie and they didn't like that. And then Stephanie went home and then one of the gentlemen that we were working with remembered Linda from when she was 15 years old that she had come up and recorded a session with him. And so they ended up flying her up 
My first airplane ride, by the way. Yeah. And they flew her up, and she ended up putting her voice with the other guy on the original three tracks that I had sang. So they just replaced our voices, but we sang, we we were singing to the same music, you know, even back then. Oh, that's so sweet. (laughs) There's a song. Yeah. Right there. So hope, I hope that's clear as mud. Singing to the but, um, music. Music, <laughs> well, music truly brought us together. Well, you know, I heard that uh, you kept your relationship secret for a time. Why was that? Well, I'll it, let you answer that since the label were the ones it, that didn't it, want you to wear your ring or on a know, video or to, yeah. It, you know, that was the '80s, and the idea of oh, we don't want him to not be as attractive to the women or her to be as appealing to the guys like they it was just a little overthought I think but when you're when it's your career and you're young and and influenced by silliness sometimes you just fall into step and it's like it really doesn't make a difference but Anyway, I, yeah, there may still be some of that going on now. It could be. Not with us. No, no, you, no. You know, when you say uh, him, that was uh, that pronoun I'm particularly fond of because that's what her family called me for about two years. Well, and let me explain. Let me explain. Because the duet that I ended up, the partner that I ended up singing with, his name was Skip. And that's the same music that Lane was describing that he and Stephanie had created. Uh, so Skip and Linda became the little duet for a minute. And so whenever I, my family back home, oh, Linda Kay's up in Nashville. Oh, she's got that duet, Skip and Linda. Well, then I meet Lang and pretty soon after getting here, start falling in love and take him home. And they just assume that's Skip. <laughs> oh, so for my a long God. time, long time he was Skip. And then... Then Dr. Bond, Skip, back then, he's a nice, nice, nice man, truly a very talented songwriter and and still is. Um, But at the time, and this is 1982, he had a curly Afro hairdo. Is that Skip Ewing? Nope. No, it was Skip Eaton is his name. Oh, okay. Oh, that would have really confused me. And I had like the precursor to a mullet, you know, with a beard. It was all out. But I had a helmet full of hair. So I look nothing. And a chest full. Did I mention yeah, that? Yeah. And I, so I look nothing like Skip. No. And you were 10 years younger. Yeah. But, yeah. but the other part that confused people, Lang, L-A-N-G, there's nobody down there named Lang. So that in itself confused my sweet little mama. What? Yeah. So instead of getting it wrong, my little mama would just like throw, throw in a pronoun. Uh, she, she'd say, Linda, do you want some more gravy on your biscuit, honey? Oh, no, ma'am, I'm okay. And then she'd glance over at me at the end of the table. She said, what about him? So that way she didn't get it wrong. It wasn't Skip. It wasn't Lane. It wasn't Scott. Because our last name, married name, is also a first name, Scott. So that, I mean, that's a lot of confusion. So Now we've talked five minutes about pronouns. Well, they're popular these days. Well, you know what's funny is, is back in the... Well, I'd say as far back as the 50s, you know, the music industry would make sure that the female singers didn't appear married or dating anyone. And it may have gone that way for some of the men. But nowadays, the paparazzi in the media is teaming up uh, couples out of the clear blue just to sell magazines. So I think today, I don't think they're hiding anything. But you know, 
you know what I feel like for young people, and I won't mention any names, and we can probably all kind of come up with two or three couples that are both in show business, whether it be film or music. When their relationship or breakup is in the limelight, that breaks my heart. I just feel like those are too sacred of times in the relationship to be public or messed with. Now, some people expose their stuff, and so you, you ask for it, you get it. You know, all the good and the bad and the ugly. But there's just some times when you're developing a relationship that you really don't need to document it. You really don't need to selfie everything because that's sometimes it's just harder to deal with reality in public. And but you know, but you know what? There's a double standard in the media between not technically film and television. But in music, there's a big double standard that in country music, if a relationship goes bad, it, it becomes a scarlet letter upon one of the people in that relationship. And for some, it has hurt their career. I'm not going to mention any names, but we can think back of those who have, may have had a marriage breakup in country music and one of the artists basically possibly lost a lot of momentum in their career. So, I mean, why would there be, a, why is there a double standard uh, that we see with country music compared to other genres out there? It's like you described falling out of favor with the uh, fans, I guess. The, and I guess the uh, media kind of, that's what the fans learn about, whatever the media shows and, and the spin they put on it. I don't know, but I tell you what, breakups is what country songs are made of. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> no? and you know, my, my opinion on that is I, I think country fans are just, you know, they're, they're down home, you know, folks really. And they get attached to their artist, I believe on a personal level and they feel closer to a country artist than maybe some other genres of music. That's my belief. And so, as what happens, uh, unfortunately, in our in our lives and with our other personal friends, when there's a divorce, you know, you end up, you either get the husband with the divorce or you get the wife with the divorce. That's so and I, and, I, sad. and I think that's kind of what happens in, in country it, music more than any of that. Somebody put it that way in a conversation mm -hmm. you were sharing with me. He said, yep, yeah, I got her in the divorce and my wife got, or vice versa, you know, whatever. It's like... I don't like to have to pick, uh, but you know, life goes on and, and hopefully what's news today is going to be old news tomorrow. So, yeah, well, you know, country music <clears throat> still has the, uh, I guess, uh, the persona of being wholesome and the fan base is so strong, so loyal that when something happens within a relationship between, uh, two musicians or two artists that got married, and then something happens, uh, for whatever reason the cause of the divorce was, one side can get a hurt on the career end of it, and uh, and just seems like everything falls apart, where, you know, we expect it in rap, we expect it in rock, we expect it in pop, because they're, they're all tabloid. 
you know, when country ends up in tabloid, it doesn't become very favorable for those artists that broke up. But for you two, how long, because I understand that your courtship was very long. So how long did you date before finally getting married? Two years. Two years. Oh, it was only that two seems, years? That seems long to you. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what. No, I think it is probably to some, but two years is, that's yeah. a pretty good, you know somebody in two years. She, it would have been a lot sooner if, because uh, I asked her first, probably about 12 months in and she turned me down. And so I'm hard-headed enough and was full of myself back then. So I said, so well, what? full of myself. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, I said, well, to myself, I said, well, she's going to ask me next time. You talk and, to yourself. And so she did. <laughs> and, I, and well, he said, yes. Oh, well, well, good. Well, let me ask you this. Was the delay due to uh, your music careers? Yes. I felt like, and this is the truth. I told you and, and it's the same today. I just felt like I was, let me see how to put it. At the point that I asked him, I knew that I could do without a career if that never happened, but I couldn't do without you. Mm. When he asked me, I wasn't able to say that yet. Wow. Well, so, let me ask you this. How did you juggle dual music careers and then adding a child to the mix, which Hillary was the first child? And of course, ladies and gentlemen, Hillary Scott you know, of Lady A. So how did you juggle all that successfully? It, it was difficult for a while. And, and when I, you'd mentioned in the intro that I had won a talent show on the national network. And, and so after that, the producer of that show, he gave me a job. I had gone to school for media arts. And so I had a little knowledge there and he was wanting to keep me in town um, to record and to look for songs because he wanted a success story to tell out of that out of that talent show. And so during that time when we had Hillary, I was working at the National Network in television production. I was co-producing and associate producer on a, several strip shows that are five sh five days a week. And Linda was at that time signed with her first label deal and she was going out on radio tours to meet with program directors and disc jockeys and you take them out to lunch or take them to dinner or go by the station and visit or all of the above. And it's a real busy time to introduce them to the artist in hopes of them liking them well enough to put their record on and trying it to see if, the, if there's an audience there. So that was probably, and you can confirm this or deny it, but to, to me, that was the most challenging time of our marriage because she was gone pretty much from Monday through Friday and get home on the Saturday and Sunday. I was working a full-time job and had Hillary by that time. She was a toddler. So I'd get up. It was a full, you know, I, I, and, and believe me, I have an incredible amount of respect towards single mothers and single parents because when you are the only one, you know, and, and it can be someone that travels, but when you're the one to have to make the meals and drop off to daycare and go work a full time and, and be there a hundred percent and then get off and pick them, pick the child up, bring them home, feed them supper, get them a bath and, and to bed. It's, you know, I've got a, a, an incredible respect for single parents. Well, you know, back then what that was, uh, what that was before cell phones, correct? So, oh, yeah. So it was very hard for both of you to actually stay in touch unless you actually picked up a landline, correct? 
That's exactly what we did because <clears throat> the landline in my hotel and I would be, and this is before we had any road experience. Uh, so there wasn't any, uh, the visions of what it's like, you'd correct me if I'm wrong, baby. The visions from at the house of what Linda's out there doing, popping around with these radio people and, and the record guy is, you know, taking me around to meet people. We're going to dinner. They have this wine. They order this wine. I didn't realize well, I was going to be paying for it later. But anyway, uh, so it's like, oh, she's just out there living it up. And I'm back home just wearing myself out. And my our child, I'm, you know, you can see how that would get twisted up. Now, I'm out there not really necessarily enjoying myself because I'm not a, at that point for sure. I didn't really like the taste of wine too much. And, you know, you go to one steak dinner or one, you know, it, it all starts tasting the same and the hotels start looking like it. When we, I would call when I get to the hotel and by then he's finally got Hillary down and he's tired and that's when I'm available to talk. And he didn't really, you know how this can get. You oh, have you yeah. traveled and, and been apart from your wife? And yeah, I mean, that that's a good time for an argument. <laughs> and the last thing you need to do is get in any kind of difficult discussion when everybody's tired. Oh, well, absolutely. I mean, um, I mean, did tension enter in oh. during that time? Oh, did ma tension enter major, in? major tension. And uh, what was it? Yes. What was a three? How long was it started out? Oh, it started out. This is going to last for, you know, 12 weeks, you know, <laughs> so, so for three months, we can do that. 12. I said, we yeah, that. we can do that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in production here. So this is the crunch time. And we had a, a sweet nanny that came over and would give me some relief, you know, from, for a few hours that I could go back then I was running and, you know, as a, as a way to deal with some stress, I guess. But, um, so that went on, but that three months then turned into another three months. And so it pretty much for an entire year, it was her going out several days a week, um, on, on a radio tour. And it was always with the caveat, you know, with, with the carrot of, Oh, we're, we're close yes. you know, we're just, we believe this next single is going to be the one. And just, you know, they were telling her, you just got to come out. Cause by then she was getting tired of hearing me, you know, complain to her to say, Hey, we've got to, we got to make sure to get our family priorities, you know, keep those in order. And she bought into that. And because that's who she is. And so it was that, you know, tension is the perfect word for it. And it wasn't just between her and me, it was between her and her label representatives. And because it was just a hard time for us to juggle. We were not, you know, people think you sign a record deal that you get millions of dollars. No, no, no. We were, that's, we were closer to starving at that time than at any other time during our marriage. Because you know? I had to stop working at I the I say that, not starving, but, but financially challenged. Tight, tight. Yeah. And because I had to stop and give up my piano bar thing, uh, which was our other part of our income. So all that to say, I, it, it sounds like we're whining. We knew that we had to get through this to potentially get to a good place where we could do what we love to do in the fashion that could be good for our family. 
Well, and then we we felt it was worth it. It was hard, and I would compare it to maybe somebody who's going into the medical mm. world and they have to do their what do you call those different phases of of if you're residencies? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, they sleep at the hospital. They say, I mean, that's hard. And the wives at the by then they might have been together a few years and have a child or two. That's hard. Well, but let, well, let's hang on. Well, let's fast on. forward just a bit because. Both of you have a very strong connection to Reba McIntyre. How did all of that come together, and did that make life a little bit easier? There was structure, mm -hmm. and uh, definitely that at that point when uh, I had been doing demos and around town, and Reba got a bunch of those songs because the the writers thought, well, if she hears Linda sing this song she might could hear herself sing it because we have some similar tones and ways we work with our voice and so she knew of me and i was hearing compliments back that she likes your voice and oh she's your biggest fan blah blah so i thought that's so cool so i had a little show and you weren't in the band on this particular one i went to uh missouri the missouri state fair and it's no joke I followed the armadillo races, or they followed me. I might have opened for them. Yeah. Anyway. Under the free tent. It's a yeah. free tent. Yeah. She was playing the big uh, venue that night across the way where the track was. So Narvel came and watched my show, invited me afterwards tonight. Won't you come over and see Reba? She wants to meet you. And uh, we've been hearing your voice, blah, blah, blah. So, uh, Long story short, got to do that, and then he said, well, why don't we talk when we get back to Nashville and just kind of see where we're all at. Maybe we can do something together. And that's when um, we began. I was a, an artist that they managed, Starstruck Management. Shortly after that, they put us on a few shows opening, and that's when Lang, uh, he was in that band, and uh, we were together. We got a little bus and did that thing. The airplane crash happened during that time frame. Yeah, Reba lost her band. Um, you remember that? Yeah, and and, and a plane tragically, and, and a road manager, and, and two pilots. So she was devastated with that and took some time off, uh, you know, for obvious reasons. And then when she reestablished, and there were other artists, and this is just another great thing to say about the country music industry community. Other artists were off, Barbara Mandrell, Dolly, they were offering Reba because they wanted her to get back out there, you know, and, and she was mourning her, her band members and her ba and her, her family, her, you know, travel family on the road. And so she did, but then they offered, she, they offered her, their, band. her their band to go out with Reba to play for her. And so she and Narvel put another band together and went out for a few months and finished off that year. But then the next year they wanted to revamp their band some more. And so they hired us as a background vocalist and primarily. Guitar. And, and, you know, I played rhythm guitar in a, in a wonderful, super talented band that they put together. And, um, yeah, so that's how that came about. And there we were off and running. And I, and I guess, I think that was in January of 93. Was I'm pretty it? sure it was 92 or 93. And that's about when I did that armadillo tent. <laughs> and they met me and then came to Nash back home and we all sat together as a, you know, a 
team, and that's when it all kind of started. And uh, and so by that time, Hillary, <clears throat> and I'm sure this is kind of where you're leading. Hillary's seven years old by then, five, or five or six years old, and so it just so happened that my my dad had changed jobs in South Carolina. He'd worked for a company for a long time, and they'd gotten sold. So it was time they kind of made it incentivized him to leave and so they were looking for something else and they loved coming to nashville and so we made them an offer and we actually employed my mom to come up and be hillary's nanny and so that that was the only way that allowed us the peace of mind and the knowing that hillary were would be in family good family hands and that would be nurtured and, you know, all of the things that were important to us to to be loved, un, you know, to love your child unconditionally, to to boost them with self-esteem and confidence and safety and security. And and my parents filled that role very, very well. Because and, we were side people. We it wasn't our show. Yeah. So none of the other yeah. band members had their kids. We were band members. So that's how that works. And she, Hillary got to go out a lot with us. And I mean, there's truly, you hear a story sometimes, but this is true. I mean, she would take naps inside of a guitar case on the side of the stage, you know, when we're sound checking and stuff. So we it was, fly yeah. her out or whatever, but it was a wonderful with Reba and, and her organization. And it was a wonderful place to be and to learn. Oh my goodness. When you're standing on stage in the wings or backstage, at, you know, at interviews, at any anything where Reba had us be a part of it, we were learning from a pro. Yeah. And their and their organization too. It, she just a consummate entertainer, but at the same point, they ran a wonderful corporate business side of that. You know, that was behind the scenes. They had structure. We had four hundred one k plans. We had you know health access to healthcare benefits. Um, we would go on the road there for several, I mean, that's the nineties was the heyday of country music with multi-platinum artists left and right. And, you know, we had at the height of that, there were 12 buses and 23 semi tractor trailers on the road. So it was like, a it was like a, a major circus that came to town <laughs> because it was, you know, and all of the trucks, I mean, there was choreography of how the trucks would have to back up and unload. So we, all of that to be said, we were exposed to that side of it too, which was a wonderfully corporate run business that they, that they maintained. Um, and I, we can sit here and we could talk all day about those experiences, but I'll just, I would like to end it with saying this, I would take a bullet for Reba McIntyre because she is a, she is a consummate professional in every, in every way that you could imagine. Well, and Linda, when's friend. the last time you sang with Reba? Does he love you? Okay. So, um, she had a new record come out, a, an inspirational gospel record. It's been a cup. COVID has me off by a couple of years, like probably the rest of you. <laughs> All of <But> us. <laughs> she had a, a new record that she released and she presented it and had a, a release outing at the Ryman Auditorium. And she had some friends come in, her, her mama and her sisters mm -hmm. came and because they had a song on the record, but she also did a bunch of her hits and she invited me down there to do ours. And 
it was she had well, it brought her, it brought the house down well, yeah it it was. it was just fun and and it was like we'd never left kind of a thing and it's been it's been a long time now but it's just a sweet bond there that we have that hard to describe i tell you something after uh we left her uh organization and and she was our biggest supporter of doing mm. such because she knew that we needed to try some different things well was i pretty much parlayed right into kenny rogers uh, yeah. and what a relationship and what a run lang was not involved in that because lang started his own company here in uh, nashville you can explain that a little bit but but my time with kenny rogers um that was something special and i feel like a blessing that I can't even put it all together into words if I tried because there were so many sweet moments and and um, the relationship, the, the camaraderie, the mutual admiration, and our time on stage was just flat out fun. And he he made me feel like uh, a queen. I mean, he just took such good care of me. Well, I mean, you were a household name when it came to Reba and then catapulted to singing with Kenny Rogers. How long did that uh, musical relationship last? You know, Lang reminded me, uh, we were, I don't remember what show we were doing, but he was talking to the audience and said, you know, it just dawned on me that Linda spent more time on stage with Kenny than on stage with Reba. So the years added up, mm -hmm. uh, probably over 20. Well, well Lang, not, you started- yeah, because, you know, Lang, you started your business while she was touring with Kenny Rogers. Uh, how did life change at that time? Well, it changed from, you know, being taken care of and, you know, just waking up on the bus and going and checking into a hotel room that somebody else had booked and, you know, going over. to So all things there to starting a business that you, you know, when I started with a, with a buddy of mine, a digital media company that we uh, started, this was in 2001, um, building high-end websites for artists and running there and converting what then was a snail mail fan club over to an online model, which made perfect sense. And we were one of the first companies to do that successfully and um, started out like gangbusters, you know, and, and it was a, a very good business model for several years. But, you know, when you start a business, it's, you know, 60, 70 hours a week and, and you bring your, by then we did have cell phones, so you're never, you know, you're never off. Um, Can you add a little one-year-old into the picture? Yeah. Well, I would, that was my next question because your daughter Hillary was born in 1986, but then 14 years later, Riley yeah. was born. So was yeah, Riley a surprise? Yeah, do the math on that one, Dr. Bond. Years. Yeah. Well, yeah. So was Riley a surprise? Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and, and proof that God has a sense of humor. <laughs> and we're so glad he does. And she, she's just been the biggest blessing. So, yeah, that, that worked into the, into the family mix uh, as well. But we were, we were in a different place financially yeah. then. We were a different place, just, more mature in our, just in our spiritual lives and, and really had uh, sharpened those priorities. Hillary, you know? if you talk to her, she'd probably say, yeah, and they had a built-in babysitter. Yeah. <laughs> I don't Well, I don't yeah, so, way, you know, but... 
what was the difference between raising Hillary and Riley while in the music industry? Well, let me just give you a day in the life of uh, our family there for, for a minute. So Hillary was going to the prom. You know, I guess she would have been uh, 17, 16. And we go out looking for a dress. On that same shopping spree, we go down the street to look for walking shoes for Riley Jean. <laughs> so it's yeah. extreme. Yeah. It, it was about as extreme as it probably could get. You got this teenager and then you got the toddler and Linda would say they got would, Linda would go in. She, <laughs> she would, I'd get home at night from work and she'd be telling me, yeah, walk in there and, and if they would go in and people would think that it was Hillary's baby. Yeah. You know, so been. it was just, you know. And it could have been, but it was just, but it, I don't know, maybe one of the, sweet things God was doing on the front end by surprising us with a child uh, that that far apart from her sister is he knew on the back end when it comes to the empty nest syndrome that I might would have a hard time with that. So he figured that out for us ahead of time. So we never really had that because when Hillary left for school and then career, Riley was still here and needed us. Then Hillary started, she got married, and then she gave us some grandbabies, three. And then Riley just recently, she's 21 now, she just launched out on her own. But we have these grandbabies coming in and out. So it's really not empty. Well, let me ask you this, because when, when Hillary made it big with Lady A, did she ever come to both of you to ask for advice being in the music industry and being at, being at that level because you were both touring with Reba and, and, and Kenny Rogers. So you knew what the ropes were like. So did she come to you for advice? Mm. I'll say this. Our, our family, Good question. <laughs> our family dynamic has always been, and I pray it always will be, conversation wide open, communication wide open. Uh, we have always just sit around and talked openly and honestly. So that just sort of was baked in and, to and our family. I'm, I'm a very type A personality. So, you know, and this is my daughter, this is my daughter. And you see, okay, you're headed down a path to where you're going to hit a major obstacle here. And so you want to be, and I have no problem of, you know, at that time, a vocal, you know, of articulating to her. She was under age. Her, you know, my advice. And, and then Linda would chime in with her advice. As Hillary was exposed to more and more, you know, things, and they hit so big that they quickly, uh, you know, Hillary quickly obliterated the level of success that we ever experienced. Yeah. You know, it, it was... Um, and, and so, and so she was on a different, you know, she was on a different plane of decisions that she was making and, and the advisors around her. And so when we would learn of those types of, of things and those types of issues or topics that she would bring into the conversation, this was still before she was married. Um, we would inject our, our opinions, but base it more from a mom and dad and family perspective. Keep it real. 
And she always, you know, Hillary is more like me than our youngest daughter Riley is. So Hillary's pretty hard-headed and very type A. And so we would go back and forth a little bit, but she always listened. And then it was, it, it was affirmation maybe three months down the line that you, I would hear the same words come out of her mouth that we had told her, you know, so, but, so. But she also made decisions that we weren't right. necessarily in favor of that went fine. So yeah. that just is what parents, you never stop being a parent. Well, then how did the, how did the Love Remains project uh, come together? Oh wow! This how much time do we have? I don't want to wear you out, but I'm I'm good. <laughs> okay, because it's, this is a sweet, sweet. Yeah, in story. in 2011, my my father, uh, whose name was Willard Mac Scott Jr., so Willard Scott, um, and he was a a very gregarious, you know, big personality, booming voice, you know, and so, but he contracted uh, AML leukemia. When in the early spring of that of that year, 2011, and so we walked through a journey with him for six months, of of him battling, you know, that cancer, got him in remission, and then you know finally he succumbed to the disease, you know, to the cancer. But the way we looked at it, and I love what my pastor Larry Granger he he texted me, but when we announced, he he said, "Congratulations on your dad's heavenly promotion." And so that's, you know, and, and my dad was prayed up. And, and so those six months journey, we'd started a Caring Bridge uh, site for him. And, and if your listeners and, and watchers are not familiar with Caring Bridge, it's like a, it's a social platform to where for health, people that are going through health challenges, uh, terminal illnesses, that type of thing, you can create a page and it's a way to let all of their friends and family know by uh, if a patient's family member is there with them, they can send out information and only have to do it one time, you know, to keep, to update everybody on the progress. Well, we had several hundred people join that and they would send posts and we would read them to my dad through that time and, and his, you know, lifelong friends, his childhood friends from South Carolina and, you know, the friends that they had met in Nashville. And so, all of those things came in. We would read those to him and they were better than medicine. My sister, my sister and I would blog and Linda would blog sometimes to, to update people. So it was just a special time. It was a, it was a hard time, you know, and, and yet it was a very special time. And I, I tell people, you know, my dad, he, he taught me all of these life lessons through my teenage years and, and, you know, and then you go and I moved to Nashville and you get married and fast forward 25 30 years, you know, and yet I had the privilege to walk with him through that last several months of his life. And he taught me one more extremely valuable lesson. And he taught me how to die with dignity mm. and with grace. And it was, it was just, you know, sometimes you have the opposite end of the spectrums of things of like going through something that's the most difficult but yet it's also the most fulfilling. Mm -hmm. And that's what that time was. So, um, and your mother was a rock. Yeah. Miss Rose, yeah, they, and Mama Rose they together. Had a, they had an interesting marriage. They were a team, <laughs> but a strong team. So, so fast forward a few years and, and obviously that was the impact of that. 
you know, affected our family because he was, you know, one of the songs written on that album is called Safe Haven. And he was the family patriarch, you know, everybody kind of surrounded, you know, we'd go over to their house for meals and, and that type of thing. So I fast forwarded a couple of years and I'd, I'd put that Caring Bridge, all of those posts and stuff away. And, and it was coming up on his anniversary of, of his death date. Um, and I pulled those things out and I reread them. And, you know, it just it put me in a place of, of how incredibly giving all several hundred of those people were of their time and their emotions and their love that they poured out through that caring bridge site. And so I said, I want to do something in return for them. Um, and there were so many mentions of gospel, gospel hymns, um, and scripture throughout all of those posts for those six months. And so I, I, talked to Linda first and I said, I want to, I want to get us as a family down in, I've got a project studio in the basement here that just a small workstation with pro tools and we can record, you know, acoustic things. And I said, I would love to record some of those hymns and then just print up enough copies of CDs to send out to those people as a thank you for getting us through that time. And so I, um, and I'll share this. I'm sorry. I'm being long winded. No, you're good. So I was having a hard time because Hillary and Lady A, they were just, I mean, they were slammed. They were just so busy at that, at that point in time. They'd been together for five years, truly one of the, you know, the biggest vocal group at the time in country music for sure. Um, and so I was just struggling with approaching her because I knew that her time and she's, you know, just... She's a mother you know, right now. Today. No, no. She, yes. Yeah. A mother yeah, and married. Yeah. Married and mother. Mm-hmm. And so the time, the time crunch thing, but I was sitting down and I got over that. And here's why I got over it. I was sitting in and, and I'd gotten my dad's truck for my mom just to have it and then keep it. And so I had pulled up, I'd gone somewhere and I pulled up and I was just sitting out in the truck outside of my, outside of my garage, ready to pull in. And Dr. Bond, I felt the, and I've never felt it since, I had not felt it before, but I felt the strongest presence of the Lord, the Holy Spirit saying, you need to do this. And I knew exactly what that meant. I didn't hear, I didn't hear a verbal voice. So none, I'm not going to say that I heard an audible voice, but I felt it so strongly that I knew that if I did not go through with it, that I was being disobedient. And, and so I followed through, I approached Hillary. She had to go out of the country for a couple of weeks, but when she came back, she said, well, dad, I do want to do this, but if we do it, I don't want to do it down in your basement. I want to do it to where everybody can hear it. Hmm. And so thank God my daughter doesn't try to put God in a box like I do sometimes and thinks bigger than I do. So she gets on the horn and she, she convinces Ricky Skaggs, the great Ricky Skaggs to produce the project for us. She gets her label to buy in. And so the entire, you know, universal music group label, uh, they got on board, her management company got on board. And so all of a sudden we take this little mustard seed of an idea as a thank you to people. And it just, God takes it and just explodes it. And so we, we record the project, um, 
And it was just after that, my only role in this whole thing, by the way, was answering that voice, you know, and going through with it. Because after that, I felt like I could just lift my feet up and just the, the wave of, of, uh, expertise and precision and artistry just and love love just carried us through the entire project so we we again this is another topic we could talk to you all day about we we felt from the get-go that this project was anointed um and it we know just from the hundreds if not thousands of communications back from us from people that have heard the songs and heard that project that it has impacted people as we wanted it and as we prayed for it too, by giving them hope of what to put their hope in and to what to have faith in. And and that's that's keeping our minds on on eternal matters yes. and heavenly matters and staying on an upward path as opposed to what we're just dealing with here today with things, you know. Well what did Long it mean? Win- well what did it mean for all of you to win two Grammys for that album? Oh, well, first of all, as a mama and a daddy, to be in the studio enveloped in amazing music, singing it, harmonizing, writing some of it, and and seeing your kids behind the microphone, and I mean, around all these amazing musicians, and like with Ricky, we feel like he pastored, didn't produce it as much as he pastored the project. So nothing about awards or acclaim was ever not on this one not on this one it was all about what song belongs here and it it, i can't even describe it but all of the other things came also as far as the grammys and it's still i'm you can pinch me uh i would i would love for you to one thing this is just kind of put a exclamation point on this project and and i want you to tell the story if you can we're you know we were going to do the gospel hymns and we did do a few gospel hymns traditional but we all agreed that we wanted to do some new music as well and so we hillary wrote um you know a couple of songs and she sent out to songwriters and we got songs in that we recorded but then we wrote with some of our friends as well and one of the songs on the album that that we wrote had a hand in writing was called we march on and it's about hey you sometimes you're in the in the dark sometimes you're in the light sometimes you're in the valley sometimes you're on the mountaintop but no matter you march on that's the that's the theme of that song and it's got a four in the floor kind of march beat to it as well to to emphasize that we're writing that song out on our back porch, not 10 feet from where we're sitting right now off of our kitchen. It was warm. Yeah. It's snow right now. But. And Hillary was, had, had um, gotten pregnant with her first, uh, or excuse me, with the second child. And you tell it. So she knew that something wasn't right and she didn't feel right. And all indications made her worry, her and Chris made us worry and that day she had a doctor's appointment and so we rode on the back porch and we had finished it there were uh, four of us and uh, I get a phone call and I, I knew she had a doctor's appointment that day so I go out on the front porch and sit down 
And that's when she tells me that she, the baby's dead. It's, she, mm. it's, it's not alive anymore. And, um, I mean, it was just, <laughs> we had just gotten so excited about this song marching on. And now she's given me, and she's sharing this sad, awful news that so it, it's just, you were talking about the extremes. Yeah, dichotomies, yeah. Because what was fixing to have to happen is she's got to have, she's got to march on. She's got to, somehow God is going to give her and Chris, our family, the, the strength to march on. And all I can remember telling her when she told me that in tears, you, we don't understand all this. But right now, you are in a club, and I'm sorry that you are, but you are now in a club that you can relate to a lot of people, a lot of women, a lot of families who have gone through this, that now you can talk to them, you can empathize with them. That's when she wrote a few weeks later. I don't know how she even had this, the courage and, and the but she did she got with two friends and they wrote thy will which was her healing scripture it was her healing song and that that is one of the the many emails and conversations that people just have they have to tell us they just want us to know that song i mean we could anyway so many situations. I encourage, your, I encourage your listeners to go find that. You oh. can find it on YouTube. Just type in Thy Will, Hillary Scott and the Scott Family. That and, song and all the other yeah. 13 or 12 that goes along with it. And my father-in-law would, I know he's in heaven just beaming. He already would be because you're in heaven. But he, he knows, I feel like God gives people in heaven a glimpse of some pretty cool stuff that, gets people down here to come up to heaven eventually. Oh, I, feel like he, I feel like he knows mm. that this record, and it's not really us. It's not because, mm. oh, we're such great singers, or, oh, we're such great writers. It's, it's, but the lyrics lead people to Jesus or lead people to forgive their family member mm. or their f friend or lead people to realize what they have to live for and that hope is in Jesus. It's free. It's not It's not complicated. We might like to make things complicated down here. But it really is just a simple receive. And then God is with us as we go through this stuff. He doesn't promise it to be roses. That's right. But oh, ab absolutely. And, and all you know, of that. Go is, ahead. All of that is what we prayed for and, and humbly prayed for and it's just been uh exponentially is that the word mm -hmm. uh, it multiplied multiplied and and it just makes our hearts so happy uh, when somebody said well just last week our our song two songs from that record were used at my my sweet friend's mother's funeral and and they were comforted by that and it, it's just no greater compliment as an artist. Um, no, and it puts things in perspective as as how uh, 
how trivial chart positions and, you know, <laughs> that type of thing is, you know, it just, it really, um, it, it just puts, when you feel like you're using your talents for God, God's purpose, yeah. you know, and, and that's, that's really what we're talking about here is making yourself available with a servant's heart to do God's will. Um, and to perform and listen and to and to carry out and love our fellow man and to encourage each other, iron sharpening iron and just, you know, those things. And that comes, you know, I know that comes with years and, and different people get there quicker than others. And we're country music artists. We're yeah. not gospel yeah. artists. Uh, we have so many friends who are and that's and we're just, you know, their biggest fans. This is a project that it's, to me, it doesn't really have any shelf life. It, it can go on and on long yeah. after we're gone. It, you know, I'm seeing a lot more, not, I'm not going to say it's completely open, but I am seeing a lot more country artists that are starting to be a little bit more bolder in letting people know that they believe in Christ, that he is the savior, he is the healer, he's the deliverer and redeemer. And that is starting to come out in some of the songs, but I'm also hearing it coming out in conversation. And I think it's a testament to country music, uh, the wholesomeness that it still has, uh, the family-oriented uh, vibe that it brings forth through music. You know, it's like people like, like you said, Ricky Skaggs. I mean, there's numerous artist in country music who have a strong faith in the Lord. And I'm seeing it more and more. Well, they cut their teeth growing up singing in church. Yeah. That's how, you That's... know, probably the majority of them started singing in church. And so we, we love, we love that aspect of, of our genre um, and are, are happy. And, and all I'll say to what you just said is amen. And they better start tuning in because if you take a look around the world as to what we are facing these days, we need to put our hope in, in eternal, you know, put our thoughts and our, our, our actions into, to kingdom focused, um, components. Oh, amen. Well, let me, one last question. What is next? For Lang Scott and Linda Davis. Well, I'd like to hear the, your answer on this myself because it, it changes every day, Doctor Bond. We've <laughs> always got a project in our in our minds to work towards writing some more songs, um, and that time is precious that we can do that now. Uh, live performances, and especially, it's just crazy how this. This one project that we just spent a lot of time telling you about, uh, that has brought in material into our show because we want to do songs from that CD. And, you know, you we have an hour, hour and 15 minutes that we sing on stage. And in, that's only by the time we talk, because you can tell we like to talk. So by the time we get through talking, we're, we're only talking 10 or 12 songs at the most. So... We, through the years, we've had many, many, many songs. So how do we pick? And what we try to do is musically find songs that are um, challenging and, and fun for us to sing, but yet have some meaning. I mean, have some stories, a connection. 
And so we're always looking for that next song or songs that can be added to our show to bring more, uh, I don't know, value to what these people pay for to come hear us sing. And when they leave, they're, it's like, oh, that song, the lyrics, okay, that's really special when the lyrics, but it's like that story that Lang told about his content, you know. So we're always just continuing to create and uh, just pay attention to what's going on around us so we can use that in our in our performance because we're just kind of, we're just a real, you can call it raw if you want to, but it's real and and it's honest. So you, you said something I'd like to follow up on a word that, that, that just in my uh, devotions for the past, probably at least 12 months, if not 18 months, you said a word a while ago that, that keeps popping up. I mean, I cannot tell you how many times the word has popped up in, in my thoughts and in my, in my quiet time and my, my prayer um, is the word bold. Is is boldness and and so much to the point to where, um, and I think people are feeling that they're sensing you know and certainly the church the Christian yeah. church is is sensing an urgency in you know in God's timeline where we are right now and that they are getting more bold and I and and I think that they are following you know following instruction and guidance from the lord to be more bold and outspoken about their christianity and their faith um because i i've even gone to the point of adop, adapting a phrase and i i don't know if someone else came up with it but i, I as i sit here I, I came up with it for me and that's just to boldness in truth wrapped in grace mm. and and i feel like that if we can do that if we not afraid to speak truth, but no, make sure you know that it's the truth before you speak it. And that comes from the Bible. Because most times, that's the only you know, thing that's true. Bible, Lord tells us even a fool can seem wise if they keep their mouth shut, <laughs> you know? And, and so we do talk a lot. I'm opinionated. I'm type A. So the Lord keeps training me to be certain about when I have an opportunity, when I'm engaged in a conversation with somebody if I have the opportunity to respond and am prompted to do so. And the only truth that we, absolute truth that we can find is in, in between the covers of, of the Bible, you know, and, and it's harder and harder to find truth out there. But when we do find it and we know it, be bold in speaking it, but wrap it in love, wrap it yeah. in grace, because you never know what somebody else is going through. Oh, oh absolutely. Is. I mean, I completely agree with you. Uh, I can be opinionated. I am definitely type A. And ladies and gentlemen, I can tell you one thing. If you allow the Holy Spirit to work through you, you yourself can become strong. You can be confident, courageous. And as the word says, you can do all things through Christ who will strengthen you. And Lang, Linda, I want to thank you so much for honoring us with your time today. And I've loved every minute of our time together. And I've loved the stories and just keep doing what you're doing. And Lang, I can tell you this, that one line I think is either a title of a song or a lyric to something you need to be writing, writing up right now. 
Well, well, thank you. It's, it's been a pleasure. And this is probably the least amount you've ever spoken on one of your podcasts. Because <laughs> we did it so. for you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what type of guitar you got in the background there? That one is a Les Paul. I have a left-handed Strat, which is mine because I'm left-handed, which is sitting over here off to the side. But uh, I thought because this was a little bit more music-based, I, I, I picked that one to put behind me today. Well, I appreciate. It. I, I I didn't. I'm, I'm a little vain about putting on my readers, or I could have seen that. I, I think I could have told that that was a Les Paul. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so you obviously play. Uh, well, I would like to. I I've tried, but uh, I think I do a better job interviewing artists than I do playing. So uh, I'll probably just <laughs> stick with that. Well, you are a great interviewer, if I could say, because you ask different questions and. Obviously, you have done your homework on us, and we appreciate that very much. And I can't wait to sit with you face to face, and not on this computer. Well, I, I will. Well, you know what? I will. I'm gonna. Um, I'm gonna write that down and make a promise on that because we are actually planning uh, here, uh, hopefully in the next few months, to come to Nashville and do multiple sit-down face-to-face interviews, and both of you. You're on my list. Well, how about yeah. dinner over here? I oh. think that would be fantastic. Yeah. I'll, I'll come and I'll hold the, the microphone. I'll be your audio tech for your shows. Because <laughs> I know the people, some of the people you would get are going to be our friends, and I'd love to hear what I, they say. I'll oh. your shirt. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, you know, I've got, um, I've got quite a list. Um, we could probably turn it into an interview party. Who knows? But... Uh, I'm, I'm going to keep that as a promise with you guys. I would love yes. to come over, have dinner. Yes. Uh, we could talk about Jesus and talk about so much more. Jesus and our kids. Do you have kids? Oh, yes. I have one one son and one daughter. Okay. Well, yes. no grandchildren yet. That's a whole other no, conversation. But they, but they both play uh, guitar. My daughter plays anything with strings on it uh, as well as piano. My son plays guitar. Um so half the house looks like a music store. Oh, <laughs> Love that's it. a happy Love house it. if there's music in it. Oh, amen to that. Well, again, <laughs> thank you so much, Lang. Thank you, Linda. Uh, my gosh, ladies and gentlemen, please look them up. And real quick, Lang and Linda, give all of my viewers and my listeners uh, websites in which they can go and check more uh, up on both of you. Everything, Linda. I don't have a website. I just even I built so many of them. I couldn't even bother to build, you know, to do one for myself. LindaDavis.com, and then Facebook. Uh, her profile there is is Linda Davis Nashville, and Instagram is the same. And then she can find her on Twitter. I as do well. have a Twitter. Yeah, too. I but know. Follow I follow you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not the. Uh, technical one in our family it's lying but but i'm on if you look me up i'm on you can find me oh yeah absolutely so ladies and gentlemen again lang scott and linda davis i hope you've enjoyed this beautiful couple and this beautiful interview so we've enjoyed it that's for sure this is you've made a memory for me today i can tell you that and i know that we will see each other face to face pretty Mm -hmm. soon and ladies and gentlemen you got to stick around because we'll be right back after these messages.